0: Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, from Walking Dead Now. I want to welcome all of our viewers tonight. And tonight, I invite you all to go check out our newly designed website right up there at deadtalklive.com. Before, it was just really one long page uh, with all of our information. Over the last uh, several days, I've been redesigning it, broke it up into uh, more easily navigable now the good to navigate to easily to navigate the website uh, so please go ahead and check it out let us know what you think uh, i want to welcome all of our viewers new and regular tonight uh, saz is going to be handling the text chats and i'll be talking to you guys live on the air want to welcome cc wheezy on instagram also want to welcome uh, nicholas evelyn elizabeth welcome guys angel baby is joining us Junior James is joining us on YouTube. Panda is joining us on Facebook, as is Pedro. So we have another guest announcement to make. Uh, let me get to that right here. Uh, today we got confirmation that Elizabeth Faith Ludlow, who played Negan savior, Arat, is, has agreed to be a guest on our show. So we are all very excited about that date to be announced here very 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 soon. Our list of guests is growing every day and we are very excited to have her with us. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Definitely invite you guys to tune in and as always go to our website, submit your questions, whether they're text questions or video questions. You can submit them both using the same form on our website deadtalklive.com uh so let me see it looks like i those youtube chats are keep coming in and out gone out uh pedro is with us on facebook i mentioned that Loida is also joining us from facebook uh so welcome to everybody today uh now friday we all got some very sad news um chadwick boseman uh, the star of black panther 42 and countless other movies passed away at the age of 43 from colon cancer. And it happened, the news broke while we were on the air that night. We were, uh, we had an interview with uh, Michael Satrazimus and right after the show, uh, our team member posted it to our, uh, our group chat that Chad passed away. And I was just shocked, uh, as was the rest of the world. He had been battling colon cancer for three years, and he was only forty-three. He's he was three years younger than I am right now. Uh, but Denai Guerrera uh, wrote a moving tribute to him, and it was posted yesterday. And I'm going to read that to you guys. Of course, Denai is Michonne from The Walking Dead, and I think she put it best, and her words were so beautiful, so for those of you who have not read her statement, I'm going to go ahead and read it to you right now. How do you honor a king, reeling from the loss of my colleague, my friend, my brother, struggling for words, nothing feels adequate? I always marveled at how special Chadwick was, such a pure-hearted, profoundly generous, regal, fun guy. My entire job as Elke was to respect and protect a king, honor his leadership. Chadwick made that job profoundly easy. He was the epitome of kindness, elegance, diligence, and grace. On many an occasion, I would think how thankful I was that he was the leading man and I was working closely with. A true class act and so perfectly equipped to take on the responsibility of leading the franchise that changed everything for black representation. He made everyone feel loved, heard, and seen. He played a great I, great iconic roles because he possessed inside of himself that connection to greatness to be able to so richly bring them to life. He had a heroic spirit and marched to the beat of his own drum. Hence his excellence as an artist and the incredible courage and determination as he faced life's challenges, while still guiding us all. He was Zen, and sweet, and funny, with the very best laugh, attentive, and truly, truly good. I can't even wrap my mind around this loss, a loss resonating in my own heart as well as around the globe. The children he inspired, my heart aches for them, to lose their hero just as they finally found him. I'm so thankful to have taken the Black the Black Panther journey with him to have known him spend time in his light and leadership and to call him forever a friend Lala Nagalo Kumakani and that was deny Guerrero's words uh, a very moving tribute to Chadwick Bozeman, who uh, passed away this past Friday at the age of 43 from colon cancer and on behalf of everyone here at Dead Talk Live and all of our viewers, we pass along our condolences to his family. So, very, very, very sad news. Uh, I want to welcome Jennifer and John Wesley with us uh, from uh, on Facebook. Mohammed is also joining us on YouTube. Uh, Dan's Reviews is also with us on um, YouTube as well. Dan's asking, did you guys see the new teaser for the finale? Uh, if it dropped today, no. I've been busy working on that website today, so I have to check it out after the show. Uh, Vail is also with us on Facebook tonight as well. So let's get on to some uh, news, guys. Uh, going, going back to Michonne, Denai Guerrero. uh you know, she spoke out about that trippy Andrea scene that she had to do in her final episode where uh, she was going through all those different hallucinations. So anyway, this is from Express. Uh, the Walking Dead Season 10 featured the departure of beloved survivor Michonne. Fan favorite star Dania Guerrera recently spoke up about some of the strange moments in the latest installment. The sword wielding post apocalyptic warrior Michonne has been a Walking Dead mainstay since Denai Guerrero joined the cast in season three. Well, technically, the end of season two. Ahead of AMC releasing the highly anticipated finale, fin- uh, following all the delays from COVID, Guerrero has provided some revealing insight behind the trippiest moments of her episode. Before the latest installment of The Walking Dead was delayed by the coronavirus pandemic, viewers, t- viewers tuned in to see the bittersweet departure of Michonne. In episode 13, What We Become, Michonne endured a nasty altercation with Virgil, whereupon she was trapped on his island and drugged. She then departed on a new journey after learning Rick Grimes could be out there somewhere. He left in season 9. The episode stands as Michonne's final chapter in the Walking Dead franchise for now. Though there is a chance she could make her return in the upcoming trilogy of films focusing on Rick's adventures after the TV show. Holden, this is Lori Holden, hasn't featured... Uh, in any series since Andrea died at the end of season three but made a reappearance when a drugged Michonne hallucinated their first encounter speaking on filming that strange scene Guerrero said it was extremely trippy and it was very trippy to watch also probably the one where she turns away from Andrea to see that sort of blended in with the Andrea footage and connected to the new footage was very trippy for me to see that, Michonne, and play that Michonne who turns away from that woman and that choice of what changed her entire life. For her not to have made that choice, that was very trippy. The sequence was an effective reminder of how for how Michonne has come full circle from a cold-hearted loner to the heart of Rick's band of survivors. So that was a very, very cool article on uh, Denai explaining how she, what she felt like when she was filming her last episode and that very beginning uh, hallucination she had when she first met Andrea where instead of the choice that she made of coming to Andrea's aid and helping her, where Andrea would have certainly been dead. She was, she was on the ground, uh, covered with walkers all around her. And if it wasn't for Michonne coming in and saving her, Andrea would have been lost. So it was very nice to hear uh, deny recall that whole sequence of events when she had to res- reshoot that scene with her making the opposite choice of what she did at the end of season two. So, uh, AMX writes on Instagram, yes, she is. Uh, AMX also writes, I really didn't like Andrea. Well, we all talked about it before, how Andrea has was just made a lot of wrong decisions. Her character made a lot of wrong decisions on the show. I think Andrea was great. I mean, sorry, Laurie was great in playing the character of Andrea on The Walking Dead. So, anyway, moving on, guys. Uh, Donald has joined us on Facebook. Art has also joined us. Nonstop Music is with us on YouTube. Tim Grimes says, I hope Morgan returns to The Walking Dead because he is an original The Walking Dead character. Morgan is needed on FEAR and he has become great on FEAR. I love Morgan and I love watching Morgan played by Lenny James on FEAR THE WALKING DEAD and I am very content with Morgan staying on FEAR THE WALKING DEAD. Uh, You know, Morgan, Lenny James, Alicia played by Alicia they, uh, they need to stay right there, right where they are on Fear of the Walking Dead. So, next one. Next article, guys. This one was, Why the Walking Dead Season 6 Negan Cliffhanger was so controversial. This is by Screen Rant. The Walking Dead Season 6 Cliffhanger remains arguably the biggest controversy in the show's history. Why was it so poorly received? The introduction of Negan was a moment the Walking Dead comic readers were gleefully looking forward to watching unfold in live action. One of Robert Kirkman's most popular characters, Negan looked destined to shake up AMC's The Walking Dead in a major way, and anticipation climbed even higher when Supernatural's Jeffrey Dean Morgan was confirmed in the role. Negan eventually swaggered onto the screen, and mirroring his comic book debut, debased Rick's group by lining them up on their knees and executing a main character. The first appearance of Negan in the comics was shocking and upsetting, but in the manner Kirkman intended. Uh, A dramatic but memorable moment of violence to announce the commencement of a brand new arc. But when the same sequence of events played out on the the TV show, fans were largely disappointed. They were not disappointed at the finale. They were disappointed at having to wait eight months to find out who dies. Uh, That's where the frustration came in. Keeping faithful to the source material, Legan Negan lined up Rick's people, gave an evil monologue about knowing your place, and duly announced he would be killing one of the assembled protagonists. But as Negan's bat swung down after a sinister rendition of "Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo," blood covered the screen, and the end credits began to roll bringing Season 6 to a close. The audience would have to wait until Season 7 premiere to discover which of the characters have been offed. The Walking Dead certainly isn't the first TV show to keep a dead character's identity hidden between seasons, and Negan's introduction wasn't even the first cliffhanger in the show. So why did this specific ending attract so much attention? Frustration had been building long before the Walking Dead season 6 finale. The Walking Dead held off on debuting the Saviors for quite some time. After Rick's people left the confines of their prison home, the cast was scattered and encountered Terminus, the Hunters, the Hospital Group, and the Wolves before finally landing upon the Saviors. All of the, sorry, all of these were TV-only arcs. Only a minor comic, only minor comic elements greatly expanded for live action. When the Saviors did finally emerge, Negan himself was still half a season away. All of that build-up was destined to culminate in Negan's monumental introduction. So when the climax was cut short for the sake of a cliffhanger, some viewers felt cheated out of a satisfying payoff. Another contributing factor was the fake-out death of Glenn, which also occurred in The Walking Dead Season 6. Steven Yen's character was killed off in Episode 3 and remained missing for a further three episodes before resurfacing. This story alone left fans frustrated, with many viewers feeling that Glenn's pretend demise and subsequent survival was either unnecessary and added nothing to the story, or ridiculously unrealistic. That's a little harsh. Of course, many fans already knew that Glenn was the character Negan was supposed to kill during the lineup scene so expending the shock of Glenn's death earlier in that same season detracted from the finale while also exhausting any goodwill viewers had with regards to being teased without reward. All cliffhangers carry an element of risk. risk. Executed correctly, they can be tantalizing endings that carry fan excitement through to the next season keeping everyone talking during that interim. On the other hand, an ill-judged cliffhanger can leave fans feeling dis- sorry, dissatisfied and unfulfilled, and this certainly seemed to be more the case in The Walking Dead Season 6. Unfortunately, it could be argued that the botched cliffhanger had a detrimental long-term impact. Not only did the criticism overshadow the introduction of Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who was evidently having a great time in such a wicked role, but viewing figures also began to decline in The Walking Dead Season 7. The cliffhanger alone wasn't responsible for the declining popularity of the zombie apocalypse, but it certainly didn't help. Listen, guys, I like the finale of Season 6. I did not like having to wait eight months, but that's what a cliffhanger is, all right? For all you guys that watched the show on a binge and did not have to wait those eight months to see who dies, then you don't really understand what the big hoo-ha is about here. If you were watching it live and you did have to wait those eight months, that's the only part that was frustrating, and that's what a cliffhanger is meant to do. Negan's introduction was great. It was amazing. Uh, J.D. Morgan did a fantastic job. That premiere of season seven, it was so disturbing. It was so dark. It's epic. Uh, It's epic. You know, you think of The Walking Dead and, you know, probably uh, one of the few episodes that just immediately flashes through your head is that season seven premiere? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Andrew Lincoln, everyone did a great job. Uh, the only frustration that came for me was basically having to wait eight months to find out. And then we see it's Michael Cudlitz, Abraham. Uh, we were all heartbroken. I was heartbroken over that. But we thought Glenn would be spared his comic book death. But no. We got two. Two main characters were killed in that premiere. And that's what The Walking Dead is all about. It's about the shock factor. All the way back from season two when Sophia came out of that barn. It's always been about the shock factor. And uh, they didn't disappoint in the shock factor. I'm not saying we're all happy that we lost Abraham or Glenn. Someone had to go. so We knew somebody... That was lined up was going to die. Uh, it was, you know, it turned out to be Abraham and Glenn, and the way they wrote Glenn's death into that episode, that Negan was not planning on killing a second person, but it was Daryl taking a swing at Negan that, you know, broke Negan's rules of, you know, staying put, and he just turned around and killed Glenn. That was heartbreaking, brilliantly done, but heartbreaking. Cat on YouTube writes, "I love cliffhangers. It's frustrating because it means it has to. It has done its purpose." Exactly, absolutely. Uh, Art on Facebook writes, "Is all the cast safe from the virus?" You mean the coronavirus? I I have not heard anything to the contrary. They're not resuming shooting until it's uh, 100% safe to do so. Mary is with us on Facebook. Let's see, Gamer is uh, with us. Uh, It's okay, Gamer. You've missed several episodes. That's fine. We're on, guys, we're on every day. I don't expect all you guys to be with us on every episode. Uh, I'm so thankful for the regulars that are with us a majority of the time. Ismael is with us. Um, Ismael writes, yep, but Glenn had to survive. He already did too much. Uh, Ismael writes, Glenn's death was optional. Janie Joe, from Canada is with us, giving us love faces. Mary 61 Mom is also with us, saying hello. Welcome Mary on Instagram. So... Anyway guys, uh just looking at the chats, Fatima is also with us on Facebook. All right, next thing on the list here is uh why Connie should show up in the Walking Dead season 10 finale. Now this article is from Undead Walking. All right, so they just list list off some of the reasons on why Connie should return in the finale and not any time later than that, all right? Number one, she's a survivor. Living through a zombie apocalypse for around 15 years is a remarkable feat for anyone still standing on the show. Again, there's that timeline that keeps jumping. Like I said, guys, I put the timeline at somewhere between 17 to 20 years. That's where they are in The Walking Dead right now, according to my timeline. We have seen articles where they've said 10 years, and this one says 15. By my math, using different reference points, and a lot of the reference points on the show are contradictory to one another. But according to my estimates, it's 17 to 20 years into the apocalypse, where we are presently in The Walking Dead. So, anyway, According to Undead Walking, they put it at 15 years. Anyway, they say it's a remarkable feat. Connie doesn't let anything stop her from surviving and protecting her loved ones. Connie continues to be a bright spark in a dark world. She has compassion even for those she doesn't know. Like Lydia in Season 9 and her empathy and understanding for others who are distressed like Carol when they were trapped in the cave, make her one of the strongest people on the show currently. If Connie is going to die, it is going to be on her terms, fighting for and protecting the people that she cares about. Alright, second reason, the group needs help. As thousands of walkers surround the abandoned hospital, and with nearly all of the survivors trapped inside, Things are not looking good. Beta is out for blood, and he will stop at nothing to avenge Alpha's death. The survivors are going to need all the help they can get if they are going to make it out with as few losses as possible. While we haven't seen a ton of Connie in combat outside of 913 choke point, it is safe to assume that she would be a great assistance to the survivors considering... She's lasted this long in the apocalypse. Number three, reuniting Daryl and Kelly. Connie and Daryl have shared a special connection since they journeyed together to the rescue to rescue Henry and Lydia from the Whisperers in season nine. I think they misprinted that. They wrote it as reuniting with Daryl and Kelly. Oh, I know what they mean for Connie reuniting with Daryl and Kelly. Never mind. While the duo seemed like an odd pair at first, their on-screen dynamic was fun to watch and led many fans uh, shipping Donnie <laughs> I like that, Donnie, as potential future couple. The other person who will be the happiest to see Connie is her sister, Kelly. When Daryl was initially distraught and in tears right after the cave collapsed, Kelly was the one who stayed strong and urged the rest of the group to get moving before it was too late. The two sisters have been through a whole lot together throughout the apocalypse, and it would be a shame not to see more of that dynamic until season 11. So there you go, guys. The reasons why uh, Connie should be brought back. In this finale. And uh, she, she's going to be back. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be in the finale. I don't know if it's going to be in season 11. But Connie's not dead. I really don't believe that Connie is dead. Uh, the one on Instagram writes after season 10. Uh, let's see. Just scrolling up through the chats. So Kat writes, what I loved about The Walking Dead is that there is more than just one character you love. So for me, if we lose a favorite, there are others that will carry the torch for the show. That is true. Summer on YouTube writes, Judith is like 12. So the timeline should be close to 14 years into the apocalypse. Uh... Like I said, we've been over that. (laughs) It depends on what reference point you use. You know, it really does. Uh, So, anyway, we we spoke briefly about how Andrew Lincoln and John Barenthal uh, both auditioned for the part of Rick Grimes. And uh, it was a hard choice for AMC to make. Uh, AMC has uh, decided to produce a documentary dedicating uh, to the opening lines of The Walking Dead entitled The Walking Dead Season 1 Beginnings, in which it will be told how two pivotal characters of the series, such as Andrew Lincoln and John Barenthal, who played Shane, uh, were chosen. In the first episode, it will be conducted by uh, Frank Darabont, Days Gone By, The show's casting team reflects on the search for the future Walking Dead co-stars. There isn't a lot of dialogue in that first pilot episode, so you had to get in touch with the character immediately, whoever he was, says casting director Sherry Thomas. The episode follows Deputy Sheriff Rick Grimes, played by Andrew Lincoln, awakening from a coma. Uh, We know all this. Uh, So, casting director Sharon Bilali adds on Rick's character. We knew he was the leader and that he would be through a lot. Barenthal also auditioned for the lead role, but according to the associate producer, Gohar Gazian, had more of the bad boy qualities. So, I guess that's why he was chosen for Shane. Lately, Lincoln revealed that he has never seen... The Walking Dead, despite it allowing him to achieve exceptional earnings. Okay, out of all the things they're focusing on, they're focusing on his earnings. Anyway, in fact, Andrew Lincoln is one of the highest paid actors for a TV series. He earned about $8.7 million per season. Well, that's good for him. He deserved it. He deserved each uh, every penny of that. Uh, let's see, Summer on YouTube Rights AMC chose right, I can't see nobody else playing Shane but John, John Barenthal was amazing, and just the possibility of us seeing him back in the movies as a flashback or whatever has me really excited, I was very glad to see him come back for Rick's last episode on the TV show, so awesome stuff there. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, Sonny is with us on Instagram. So, uh, what next while well, we are waiting for season 10 and 11? Well, you know, tomorrow is September 1st, guys. The March, uh, the countdown to October 4th has begun. The Walking Dead is going to be airing the finale in less than five weeks. Five weeks from yesterday. Uh, we are going to be getting the finale, so it's almost here. Time is almost past, And we're going to get the finale, it's going to be epic. And then we, uh in the same night, we are getting the premiere of World Beyond. Looking forward to that. And a week later, we're getting Fear. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, so a lot of good stuff coming in October. So let's get started with today's base topic. Today's base topic, we have a lot of material, we'll try to see if we can fit it in in one episode or not. If not, we'll stretch it out over two. But we are going to be discussing most shocking character confessions on The Walking Dead. There have been quite a few over the course of the series, and we're going to discuss some of these in more detail. So let's start with two confessions from Season 2 both of these confessions occurred in the finale which was episode 13 of season two called beside the dying fire and both were made by rick the first one was when rick revealed what jenner had told him at the cdc about how they were all carrying the virus rick confessed he had known all this time and deliberately kept this information from them because he thought it was better this way. And I've said this before, I don't blame the guy. If we were in his shoes, he would want his group to stay hopeful, positive, And that's some pretty crushing information. So I don't blame him one bit for keeping that to himself. So, we, you know, the next confession that Rick made was at the campfire. At the end of that same episode, he had had a big day full of confessions. That night, uh, on the season two finale, when the farm was overrun, he had to kill Shane. I, I have to put that at least in the top three of Rick Grimes' worst nights on, uh, you know, since the show started in the character arc of Rick Grimes. He, he just had a really bad night that night. Uh, Rick confessed to the entire group that he killed his best friend, Shane. He, uh, he was pretty pissed off. He had had enough. He had already told Laurie about Shane when they were on their own, but I think the confession was more shocking when he revealed it to the entire group. Rick recounts to the group what happened between him and Shane, He also told him that Shane had killed Randall. Rick explained that Shane did this so he could set him up by separating Rick from the rest of the group with the intentions of murdering him. Apart from Carl crying quietly in Lori's arms, everyone remained silent during Rick's confession. They all knew, they saw what was going on with Shane. It was not a big shocker uh, that Rick killed him. They, they all saw Shane unraveling throughout that whole season, too. So, you know, after, uh, you, you know, we all remember Lori's reaction when she found out that Rick had to kill Shane. Do you all think that that group was supportive of what Rick, of what Rick had to do? Share your thoughts on that. Did they support him? Were they scared of him? Uh, my opinion is somewhere in between. I feel like they... were not that shocked. They were not that shocked when he told them that he had to kill Shane. Uh, like I just mentioned, they all saw him unraveling. If you guys want to chime in, uh, to share your thoughts, uh, you know, I'll be happy to read your thoughts out on the air. Uh, Janie Joe on Instagram writes, and Daryl made that great decision when he left behind Merle. Uh, Cece Weezy on Instagram writes, if you're dead, what does it matter if you turn? So not knowing or knowing makes no difference. You know, you're right. The virus obviously does not affect you in any way that we know of yet while you're alive. It only really kicks in when you die. And what it does is it reanimates you. So Shiki is with us on YouTube. So anyway, I like I said, I didn't I didn't think anybody was really surprised at Rick having to kill Shane. Janie also goes on to write, yeah of course, I mean Shane was crazy and there were not in the uh good position for keeping him in prison, like Negan, so I mean, I think he found that the group supported him. They were shocked, not surprised, little shocked, kind of saw it. They, they could see something was going to come to a head when it comes to Shane. Uh, CC also says they were upset about uh, the being infected rather than Shane. And remember, guys, it was Carol who uh, was back-talking Rick at the end of Season 2 to Daryl. She didn't trust Rick at all. And she was back-talking about Rick to Daryl, calling Daryl his lackey, his henchman. And Daryl stood up for Rick, and he said, You know what? Rick's done all right by me. Uh, So, you gotta give credit to Daryl there. So... Anyway, let's go on to the next big confession, all right? Uh, Well, before we move on to our next character, there is another big confession that Rick made. In Season 7, Episode 4, titled Service, Rick tells Michonne that he knows Judith isn't his daughter and that she is his best friend's child. Michonne never met Shane, so Rick tells her what happened between his wife, Lori, and his best friend. If you guys noticed when you watched that scene, Rick doesn't show any anger towards Lori or Shane. His voice is full of sadness and regret, but but there isn't any bitterness or hatred. Uh, Rick also gives credit to Shane for keeping Lori and Carl safe when they all thought that Rick was dead. He does not tell Michonne about what happened between him and Shane on the farm, though. He just gave her an explanation of who's Judith's real father is. Which, you know, he didn't have to do. It would not have made a bit of difference to Michonne. But he trusted Michonne, and that scene was more to display the trust that Rick had in Michonne more than anything else. Uh, In my opinion. Um, Lindsey Sparks on Facebook writes, Shane was going nuts by the end. He was. EMI on Facebook writes, I think Shane did that to Randall for survival. But I don't like to be, I wouldn't like to be his best friend. He might do that to me also for survival, I think. And he did. He tried to do it to Rick. And they were beyond best friends. They were brothers, You know, like they described each other. Uh, And we all saw Rick's face. uh, Not Rick's face, sorry. Shane's face when Rick popped up at the camp alive. For that, you know, a few seconds, Rick... I mean, Shane was genuinely happy to see that his friend was alive. Once he saw Rick and Lori and Carl hugging... He's like, oh, damn, yeah, that. I just lost that. And that's when things really started to unravel for him. Cat uh, writes, I think the group had more respect for Rick. It was a shock because this is still early in the show. I think it would not be as shocking once they went through all the stuff that they did. All right, let's get back, guys. Let's get back to the topic. Where are the nodes? All right. So, um, he compares, uh, this to how he had come to accept Judith as his daughter, even though she wasn't his child, because if he, if he doesn't, then he can't keep her safe. Meaning that if he didn't see her as his child, which was never an issue for Rick Grimes, how can he possibly keep her safe? That's how he thought about it. In comparison, Rick tells Michonne that in order for them to survive, they had to accept their new way of life, which was providing for the saviors. Uh, Now, next character, Confession, is Carol. Carol's confession had to be one of the most difficult and shocking of all the confessions, mostly because of the person she was confessing to. And before we get to that, Remember the hallucination that uh Carol was having with Alpha in these last several episodes we we saw before this break from before we got to finale and uh obviously Alpha is Carol's subconscious, you know, she was hallucinating. And uh it was basically revealed to us and it hasn't been really mentioned in any articles that I read. But there is still something big that is bugging Carol. Uh, I'm using the word bugging because I can't think of a better term right now that we have not been told about yet. And uh, they showed that to us without telling it to us through the hallucination that she was having seeing Alpha. So a lot of people forgot about that. It got sort of glazed over. But... We never find out in that episode what that is. But there is something that Carol has not revealed to any of her friends about what she truly wants. That's what Alpha, the hallucination Alpha, was trying to get Carol to confess to. And that is, what does Carol really want? And I was really kind of hoping by the end of that episode, we would find out. But we don't. Uh, but the writer set us up for something. I don't know if they're going to answer it. I don't know if they're just going to leave it dangling out there for us to guess on our own what it could or could not be. But I'm surprised that not a lot of people talked about that. You know, for me, that stood out a lot. Cat writes, it was a shock because this is still early in the show. Uh, oh, sorry. I already read that. I hate when the universal chats go down and I have to go skipping around to see what everyone is saying. So anyway, let's get to the confessions that we have seen Carol make. Carol's confession had to be one of the most difficult. Carol confessed that she killed Karen and David. As she confesses this to Tyrese in the cabin that they were staying at, this was after she had to put down Lizzie in uh, Season 4, Episode 14, titled The Grove. The Grove was Michael Satrazimus' directorial debut. We talked about that with him on Friday. If you guys remember this scene, the two of them were sitting down opposite each other, and Carol slides her gun across the table towards Tyrese as she starts to confess. She then says, do what you have to do. You could see the tears rolling down Carol's face. I can't imagine how hard this must have been for Carol. What a fantastic job Melissa McBride did in playing out that scene. Carol had expected Tyrese would kill her to seek out justice for Karen and David. Carol was ready to accept whatever punishment Tyrese had in store for her. And I think part of the reason she chose that moment... To confess was because she was so riddled with guilt over killing Lizzie and this brought her back to the time that she had killed Karen and David. Tyrese then grips the gun which is still on the table before letting it go and looking Carol in the eye and he says I forgive you. Now what was going through all your minds when Carol made that confession? When I saw that those two were paired up after the prison fell from the governor, uh, and they were with Lizzie and Mika, and they had Judith with them as well, oh boy, that was the most interesting of the groups. You know, they were all fragmented, as they were all separately making their way to Terminus. But Carol, Tyrese, Lizzie, Mika, and Judith, baby Judith, that was the group that had the interest, the, had the biggest interest for me to see how it was I was, it was going to unfold. When I first saw that those two were together, I knew that it, she would have to, in some way or another, tell Tyrese what she did to Karen and David. Basically killed them for having the flu and set their bodies on fire in the back prison. Uh, then we had Lizzie to worry about. And how detached she was from reality. And man, did that shock us. What she ended up doing. Uh, AZ Gamer on Instagram writes, I-, I thought Tyrese would kill her while watching that episode for the first time. Uh, Janie Joe writes, I was sure that Tyrese will kill her. But when I see that scene, I was really proud of Carol. I mean, yeah. I didn't think Tyrese was going to kill her. That's just not who Tyrese is. He was pissed. Uh, he was all over Rick's ass to find out who did it when they were still at the prison. He was understandably pissed, uh, but he's not a—he's not a killer. Tyrese did kill on the show, but he killed when he absolutely had no other choice. Uh, he would not—I didn't think. And I, I really did not think that he was gonna kill uh, Cal right then and there. Cat writes, I was holding my breath. I really didn't know how Tyrese was going to react. So it, that was a bit, that, that was the most interesting group. I really, really w- was just fascinating. I know we got to see all the different groups. Uh, of course, that's where we got to meet Abraham. And Tara and Eugene as well, they met up, uh, not Tara, sorry, Rosita. Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene when they met up with Tara and Glenn. But For me, the most fascinating group when they were fragmented was Carol and Tyrese. So, anyway, uh, at the prison, uh, Tyrese vowed to kill whoever was responsible for what happened to Karen and David. One of the reasons that Rick gives Daryl for exiling Carol was to protect her from Tyrese. Of course, Rick also had other reasons, but he really did not think Ty- Tyrese would, uh, would rip Carol apart once he found out. After everyone got separated, when the prison was destroyed, like I said, Tyrese and the group with Carol, Mika, Lizzie... I think Tyrese and Carol developed a very strong bond during this time and they really got to know each other. This bond allowed Tyrese to understand the things that Carol felt she needed to do was done for the greater good. At the end of the day, while he'll never be able to forget what Carol did, he has found it in his heart to forgive her because he knows Carol was only trying to protect the group. He also knows that Carol will have to live with what she has done for the rest of her life. And that is punishment enough. Now moving on, next character, confession, Bob. Bobaholic, as he's known in some parts. <laughs> this, uh, this also takes place in season four, when Daryl, Michonne, Tyrese, and Bob go to the veterinary college to find medicine for the sick people at the prison, While Daryl is fixing a minivan, which they found along the way, Uh, Bob confesses to Daryl about his addiction to alcohol and how Zach's death could have been avoided. Bob admitted that he only joined Daryl's group on their supply run at the Big Spot, the name of the department store, so he can get himself a bottle of alcohol. He told Daryl that he had picked up a bottle of alcohol off the shelf then, after changing his mind and putting it back down, he also goes on to say that he had to put the bottle—he uh, had to put down that bottle uh, so hard that it took down the whole shelf, and it brought the attention of the walkers on the rooftop. The roof collapsed, and it ended up killing Zach. Daryl's response was, "That's bullshit. Sasha and me picked the spot. We took you with us." No way that anybody could have known. Uh, What do you guys make of Daryl's reaction to Bob? Uh, He was pretty pissed. Uh, He actually threatened uh, to kill him if he took a sip uh, from that bottle that he had. Uh, Let's see. Rounds on Instagram says we all called Bob barbecue. Bob had a lot of nicknames, Bobaholic, BBQ Bob, uh, Talia is with us on Instagram and waving. Yes, he is giving us a smiley love face. Uh, let's see what's going on on the other chats. Uh, I really, I think the YouTube chats are stuck. Let me refresh this thing. The chats are also getting stuck on the actual YouTube screen as well. Uh, cat writes, uh, uh, no, it was real. Uh, you guys are talking about how it could have gone either way. Cat writes, Bob didn't learn his lesson. It was after that confession that he tried to get another bottle. Yeah, yeah, it took some time. But I think by the end, Bob did redeem himself. Him and Sasha had d- developed a real bond. But... We all know what Gareth from Terminus ended up doing to him. Even though he was already bit. And I think that was his most redeeming quality. When they fell into that pit uh, that was full of water. And he probably got bit while being underwater. That was the thing that actually shook some sense into Bob. You know? So, you know, how can we do a confessions thing without mentioning Eugene? Okay. Uh, but let's talk about Eugene's confession to Tara. Eugene confesses that he sabotaged their bus on the way to DC. Now this was before he makes an even bigger confession to the group. and we'll get to that in a moment. He tells Tara that he pushed he put crushed glass in the fuel line to slow them down because he feared he would be left to fend for himself if he failed with his mission to cure people. Tara tells Eugene that would never do this because they're friends, but advises him to keep this confession between them. Of course, this leads us to Eugene's biggest confession, which comes when they're getting even closer to their destination. Eugene starts to lose his nerve and that's why he decides to come clean. He confesses that he has been lying about being a scientist from the very beginning, Ever since he met Abraham because he needed people to protect him so he could survive. He admits that he is a coward and a very good liar and would be be pretty much do whatever he took to save his own neck. Eugene doesn't actually know if anyone is working on a cure, but he believes that DC holds the strongest chance of survival. Now, who saw this coming? What did you all if you didn't read the comics? And what did you all think about the other characters' reaction? You know, Abraham, Glenn, Tara, Rosita, how'd they all feel? Abraham's reaction uh, was spot on. He was the one that believed in him the most. Abraham, when he met Eugene, he was about to end his own life. Uh, So his reaction when he finds out what, you know, Eugene has been lying about for me, is spot on. Everybody else is just shocked. They they were at a loss for words. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now, the last confession made by Eugene that we're going to talk about today is that when he confesses to Negan and the Saviors is that he made the bullet which Rosita fired. This was a self, selfless act that Eugene did, so he was genuinely concerned that more people... He did care about would die this was uh, actually one of the few moments of bravery that we saw from eugene up until that point maybe it came from the fact that he does have a soft spot for rosita and tara which we know he has a soft spot for rosita if you all remember this confession it happens right after olivia is killed by a rot who i announced at the beginning of our show is going to be a guest on our show. So Eugene was probably thinking he made, you know, he might suffer the same fate, yet he still told Negan the truth about the bullet. Now, after a Rot killed Olivia, do you think that Eugene would open his mouth and confess? Would, you know, he did, uh, but did anyone really, you know, see that he would step up and say I was the one that made that bullet. Knowing what kind of coward he was up until then, that kind of surprised me. EMI on Facebook writes, Yes, Eugene was a coward. He fooled Abraham and the rest of the group, telling them that he's a scientist, so the group would keep him safe. Yep, no doubt about that. We're running almost out of time, so let's keep on moving here. Uh, So... Let's go on to Father Gabriel, okay? Oh boy, talk about somebody who's been on a roller coaster in, in regards to character arc. We uh, we get introduced to Gabriel, screaming out for help on top of a rock. Uh, he left members of his own congregation, including women and children outside, to be torn apart by walkers while they begged them to let him in. Uh, Gabriel also confesses this to Negan when they're trapped in that, uh, box trailer just outside the sanctuary in the beginning of All Out War. This is when I suppose you could say they traded confessions. The scene also ties in nicely with Negan's confession. Do you guys remember what Negan's confession was in the boxcar? Uh, so anyway, Negan confessed that he once had a real wife before the apocalypse He also admits that he wasn't a good husband. He lied to his wife, and he slept around with other women. You can hear the regret in Negan's voice as he confesses all this to Father Gabriel. Negan goes on to say that his wife became sick before the outbreak, but she died during the apocalypse and he could not bring himself to put her down. Now, the last but not least on our confession list is Carl. And we're going to squeeze Carl in. Carl's biggest confession would probably be when he reveals that he was bitten by a walker. Uh, Because, as we've seen a little bit throughout the show, the real cowards are the ones who try to conceal that. And And Carl is no coward. Carl's biggest confession, like I said, he was bit... Uh, He shows the bite mark on his body to everyone who was hiding in the sewer with him. Carl also confesses how he was bit. As we've discussed before, was when he was helping Sadiq kill the walkers to honor the memory of Sadiq's mother. Carl then confesses to Rick about how he killed Jody, the teenage boy from Woodbury, back when the prison was attacked which we also talked about before. So there you guys have it. Squeezed in very nicely time-wise for a one-hour episode on some of the biggest confessions we have had on The Walking Dead up to this date. We are out of time. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today. You have all been amazing. Uh, Hope you enjoy the rest of your evening or morning. If you're on the other side of the globe, it's always an honor to spend this hour with you. Go check out our website. Like I said, it's been redesigned. It's been broken down into many separate sections to make it easier to navigate. So head on over, check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, Dettalklive.com. Also, please visit us on YouTube. The name of our channel is called Walking Dead Now. Uh, you can also visit us on imdb just go there and search for dead talk live i want to thank everyone again for being a great audience tonight i'll be back on the air tomorrow same time stay safe everyone and until tomorrow night guys remember to stay walking